Amen and amen, Jesus. Thank you for the countless ways you've provided for us. God, we just celebrate you as a provider and a healer and a prince of peace, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can be seated. Man, such a rich time of worship together. Uh, love seeing each and every one of you. Uh, Ellen Schaub, who is our former children's pastor on the way to church plant in the nations, she has a saying that she taught to our staff, uh, which I thought was great, is that your eyes are your ministry. Your eyes are your ministry. There's so much you can tell about someone from their eyes, right? And in this time of masks, where it's hard to see one another, our eyes are our ministry. So we came to church today to connect with the Lord and to connect with one another. So I just wanna encourage you, you keep your masks on, you're doing a great job with the masks, but just turn to someone around you and just look at them and give them the eyes that say, we're glad you're here, I'm glad to see you. Just your eyes are your ministry. Thank you for everyone who prayed for my family. Last week, uh, we, all the COVID tests came back negative, uh, so that's great. No sickness, awesome, uh, and I miss being with y'all, but Johnny did a great job filling in at the last minute. I watched it, and I was, man, Jesus was with me all week from what I learned from him. I loved hearing him go through the different books of the Bible and talk about Jesus in each one. So good to remember. Today we're going to start a new sermon series called Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace. Before we do that, I just want to say, as we've tried to navigate uh, returning to physical gatherings for services, y'all have done a great job, whether you're in the room or watching online, you've done a tremendous job uh, just uh, coming together. And I've noticed each week that our services have, the registrations have filled up very quickly. The first week we did it, they filled up in two hours. Uh, the next week we did it, they filled up in 45 minutes. The last week, they filled up in 15 minutes. So, wow. Uh, so, you might be asking, hey, what are we going to do? Like, you may have tried to register for a service and you've not been able to get in. And we're trying just to navigate this time that we're all in together. And so, we're going to keep doing one service through the end of Thanksgiving and after Thanksgiving, we'll reevaluate, reassess what is the best next step for our church in terms of do we go back to two services or what does that look like? So we're in a holding pattern for the next couple weeks. And then after Thanksgiving, we will reassess. I do want to say when you hear that registrations have filled up, some of you are so kind hearted that you will say, well, I've been a couple times or I've been once, so I'll just sit this one out so someone else can have my spot. I actually wanna ask you to do the opposite. And the reason why is we as a leadership team, we're trying to get a feel for how many people within our church and within our community are hungry to gather physically and meet with the Lord together. So this is no shade to anyone online, online viewers, we love you, online participants in our church, we love you and we understand that people are at different places in the journey with COVID. But as a leadership team, we're trying to assess how many folks from our church are hungry to meet together. And one of the ways that we can do that is by seeing the registrations and kind of knowing, okay, this is what it seems like our church is hungry for. We're all hungry to meet with the Lord. We meet with them in different ways, some online, some in person. But if you'll keep registering, that will let us know, okay, what should we do next? All right, with that as a backdrop, uh, the last two weeks and really the last... Two months, a uh, year, 
several years, you could even say all of human history, we have been in a wrestle as a people about who would be our leader. Who would be our leader for the next four years? There's been so much angst and anxiety and debate and discussion. I saw one study that said America right now is more divided than it was at the time of the Civil War. That's amazing to think about, sobering to think about. There's just been so much anxiety over who would lead us. Why is that? Because we know as humans, we long for good leadership. From a young age, we learn to look to our parents to provide us leadership, to provide us an environment that is secure, to uh, give us peace, to give us prosperity, to make everything right in the world. When you're a little kid, you're looking to mom and dad to create that type of environment, that type of peace and prosperity. As you get older, your parents are still important, but you begin to look to your peers and to leaders amongst your peers to create that same sense of security, belonging, prosperity, and peace. When you get a little bit older, you begin to look to business leaders and community leaders and religious leaders and politicians thinking, okay, that's who I'm looking for that's going to give me belonging and security and prosperity and peace. We long for leadership. It's built into us. We intuitively realize that our world is not right, and we have this hope that if we can find the right leader that the right leader will lead us into a better future, a future marked by belonging, security, uh, prosperity, peace, justice, righteousness, make everything right in our world. We long for those type of leaders, and we look for those type of leaders. The challenge is those type of leaders are very hard, if not impossible, to find. Why? Because as humans, we are flawed. We are broken. Every person on the planet has flaws within them. And leadership is hard. The weight of leadership is heavy. And when you put heavy weight of leadership plus broken people together, it does not end well most of the time. So if you're a student of history, you can look back through cultures and time periods, and you can see again and again and again breakdowns in leadership, and again and again and again people hoping, well, this person, they'll come in and they'll make everything right. So we keep on looking and we keep on being let down. And I was thinking this week about my uh, high school years, and in my high school, we would do athletic competitions in the preseason. Uh, where we would do different events. You would run a timed mile. Anybody run a timed mile in school before? Yeah, we'd run a timed mile. We would uh, do an agility course where you'd run and see how quick you are. We would do a bench press, and you see how much you could lift in the weight room. And we would do a squat, and you see how much you could squat. Put the bar on your back with the weight, squat down, try and stand up. And based on what you could do, let's say if you ran the mile in uh, seven minutes, you got a point. And if you ran it in six and a half minutes, you got two points. And if you ran it in six minutes, you got three points, so on and so forth. Uh, as your score improved, you got more points. And at the end of the competition, you would take your points from each of the four events and add them up. And based on how many points you got, you would receive a different color t-shirt. 
with a school logo on there. So zero to 10 points, you would get maybe a white t-shirt. 10 to 20, you would get a yellow t-shirt. 20 to 30, you would get a gray t-shirt. 30 to 40, you would get a red t-shirt with the school logo. And these were badges of honor in my school. This was something that you wanted to get your score up as much as you could to get that shirt because everyone knew only a select few had that particular level of athletic prowess. And I was thinking in particular about the squat kind of competition in that event. And if you're not familiar with squats, you take a, a barbell, right, the long metal bell, you load it up with weight, you put it on your shoulders, and you squat down, and then you try and stand up with it. And so the way we would do this competition is our coaches would set up with a little bit of weight, a light weight that everyone could do. And we would start there, and then as each round, the level of difficulty would increase. They would add on more weight. And as they added on more weight, a number of things would happen. One, there would be the people that realized the weight of the bar that was about to be on them, and they would realize their own limitations and say, okay, I'm done there. I'll take those points. I'm not getting under that thing again. There were others who weren't quite as aware of their limitations, and what they would do when the weight of the bar got on their back is that their form would break down. They would compromise their form. I had one friend who, when the weight was heavy, he would lean to his right and put more weight on his right leg to try and compensate for uh, his weaker left leg. And one time that maybe is not a big deal, but over the course of years, his right leg became much larger than his left leg, much to his embarrassment. And if he had continued that overcompensation long-term, it would have caused joint difficulty, bone and tendon uh, injury in his body. The weight of the bar made him compromise his form, that's how he handled the, the weight. Uh, another group uh, would just keep going until they would put so much weight on the bar that they would just crumple under the weight of it. They would go down, and there was no coming up, right? And the, the spotters would have to step in and get the bar off of them. And there, was, there were kids every time that would just push it that far until the weight of the bar became so much, they just crumpled under the pressure, and with leadership, I think that it is similar. Uh, when people begin to feel the weight of leadership, some bow out. They just say, I, I, that's too much for me. I'm done. Others begin to make compensation. As the weight gets heavier, they begin to adjust in ways that don't seem like a big deal at first, but in the long term create this brokenness within the body, within the thing they're trying to lead because of the way they've led. And others, not realizing their limitations, just go and go and go until the weight of leadership just crumples them underneath them. And I realized that image of someone crumpling under the weight of leadership might be how so many of you, myself included, those watching online, how we feel here at the end of 2020. 2020 has been a heavy weight of leadership. Whether you're leading one, you're leading yourself, or you're leading a thousand, right? This has been such a challenging year, and I just want to acknowledge that. Each week, I'm trying to acknowledge it because that's where we are. We need to acknowledge where we are. This year has been a heavy, heavy weight. And when we look back through human history, we see over and over and over again, we see leaders 
crumpling under the weight of leadership. Scriptures are filled with king after king after king, starting out strong, and then in the end, crashing and burning because they couldn't handle the weight. And it's into that weight, it's into that pressure, it's into that angst that God speaks to us from the prophet Isaiah, and that's where we're going to be this morning. So if you would open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to read in Isaiah chapter 9. And if you're not familiar with the book of Isaiah, it's Old Testament. Uh, People have different opinions on when it was written, but at a minimum, it was written 600 years before Jesus. So think back, we're in 2020, so think back to 1420, like that level of length of time different. And Isaiah was a prophet that God used, and he lived in a time where leaders were crumpling under the weight of leadership. And the fruit of that was anxiety and distress and turmoil, lack of security, lack of prosperity, lack of peace amongst the people that they were supposed to lead. And in there, God speaks a a promise of a leader who would come in the future, a leader who would be able to bear the heavy weight of leadership, not just the leadership of an individual life, but the leadership of not just a nation, but the leadership of the entire world, that there was one coming, there was a leader that they could put their hope in. And this promise went forth that we're about to read, and the book has a number of them, and they became like uh, the people were pregnant, the people of God were pregnant with this promise. Now, when you're pregnant, you know it's going to last about nine months, right? But, but when you're pregnant with a promise from the Lord like this, it, it didn't come to fruition in a month. It didn't come to fruition in a year. It took a while, but they were pregnant with this promise, and we're going to read it today. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So what I want to encourage you to do right now is if you brought uh, you know, your, your hard copy Bible, I want to encourage you to pull it out right now. If you didn't bring a hard copy, I want to encourage you to pull out your phone, pull out your Bible app. We're going to look at God's word together. We're going to look at this passage of scripture together. And I'm going to encourage you to take notes today. Why? Because God's word is important. And when we hear God's word, we retain a certain portion of it. But studies have shown when we take notes, when we write things down that we're seeing and that we're learning, we walk away with the important things that were said. We walk away with the points of emphasis. And I believe what God wants to speak to us today is important for my life and yours. It's important for our church. So I want to encourage you to open your Bibles, and I want to encourage you to take notes. Even if it's on your phone, I'm not going to think you're texting Just take notes on your phone. If you don't believe me, try it this one time, and you'll see that you will retain more of what you're learning on Sunday morning in church. So Isaiah chapter 9, 
I'll give you a minute to get there. I'll give you a minute to get out your notes. In the first portion of this passage, it starts out with, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And then you read these series of descriptions. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So you see this immediate juxtaposition that there was going to be a leader who would come, who would carry the weight of the nations. But that leader would come as a child. And at the same time that that leader would be God himself. And this must have been very confusing when the Lord spoke this to Isaiah. It must have been very confusing to the people who initially heard it. What does it mean a child will come, a human will come, and yet this human will be God, will be the mighty God, the everlasting Father. And on his shoulders, the weight of government will rest. This foreshadows or looks toward the incarnation of Jesus, which we celebrate here at the end of December. And it's a picture ahead of time to describe what God was doing in Christ. And within this, this juxtaposition, we have two very important truths. That Jesus is fully God. And that Jesus is fully man. I'll repeat that again. It's important that we grasp this. Jesus is fully God. And Jesus is fully man. Jesus is not uh, just a man who came and lived a righteous life. He's not just a prophet who came and spoke the things of God. That's not what the scriptures testify. That's not what Jesus testified about himself. He's not some religious leader that through good works kind of ascended up. To there are a number of different uh, religions that teach distortions of this truth that Jesus is fully God and Jesus is fully man. And most of them land on Jesus was created somewhere along the way, that he was a great man and through his greatness, he rose out of the pain of this world and he achieved godhood or he achieved salvation or he achieved heaven, whatever it may be. That is a distortion. And it's important to point this out. It's important that we understand this because if Jesus is just a man, even if he was a great man, we're all in trouble because our hope in the leader that's going to lead us out would again just be on another human. And we know from our own experience and we know from studying history that we are not our best hope to get us out of the brokenness that we're in. We are not, no human is the leader that's going to lead us out. And if we miss the fact that Jesus is not just fully man, and we miss that he's fully God, right? We miss and we don't realize that in Jesus there's something different here. That in Jesus we're seeing leadership, we're seeing salvation, we're seeing one who would come and carry the weight of leadership that's not just a man but that it's God himself stepping into creation and bringing salvation. This is something new. 
This is something new, so that should get our attention. The reason why that's significant is we realize our ultimate hope is not going to be found in any human leader. Whether you are pro-Trump, our hope is not going to be found in Trump. Or you're pro-Biden, our hope is not going to be found in Biden. Right? They are humans. They are flawed. They will have to carry a heavy load. We want to pray for them and support them as best we can, but we need to know where our hope comes from. Because regardless of who is in the White House, right, our hope, when we realize this, is not in a person, but it's in Jesus. And leaders are important, right, but they're not ultimate. And we're realizing here that our salvation, our ultimate hope, the leader that's going to lead us out from the brokenness and division, insecurity, lack of prosperity, anxiety that we're in is God himself. And this is so important. When you see Jesus, you see what God looks like. When you look in Jesus' face, you see what God is like. As a teenager, I wondered what God was like. I had these different ideas. Maybe God is like the force on Star Wars. You know, this balance of good and evil, and some people have the force, but we also have the darks. Maybe that's what God is like. Or maybe I played video games, and so I was like, maybe we're like part of a video game of some creator in, you know, far off that we don't know. Just like Mario doesn't know I'm making him jump around, right? Maybe that's what God is like. I had all these ideas. When I began to look at Jesus, I began to see, I don't have to wonder what God is like anymore. God cared enough to show me what he is like and cared enough to show you what he is like. So if you're here today, whether in person or watching online, you're like, I've always wondered what God is like. Maybe you've had some different ideas. I want you to know, you don't need a mountaintop spiritual experience. You don't need God to send a shooting star to tell you some important message. God has come in Jesus. Unto us a child has been born. And when we look in his face, we see what God is like. When there are events in life and you're like, God, I don't know what's happening here. I don't know what's going on. Look at Jesus. And you'll see what God is like. When there is a portion of scripture that you don't understand and it causes you to question and doubt, just look at Jesus and he'll show you what God is like. Unto us, a child is born. And when we look at Jesus, we find the leader, as the text says here, the leader that can carry the weight of the government of our lives of our nation and of the nations. He can carry it on his shoulders. When Jesus incarnated, when he was born unto the Virgin Mary, when God stepped into our planet, that leader stepped onto the face of the earth. Sometimes people say, if God really wanted to save us, if he really cared that much, why wouldn't he just like, I don't know, put a sign in the sky? Like why would he just send a book? Why would he just give us a book to tell, him, tell us what he's like? And I want to make sure that you understand this. God didn't just send us a book. God came. God wanted to save the world, so he came. 
He came in Jesus. We have a book that is a historical account of the incarnation, of the life, of the ministry, of the death and resurrection of Jesus. God came. The book describes that, but God didn't just send a book and say, well, I hope everybody can read and figure it out on their own. No, God came himself, and he called people to follow him so that then there would be people living and showing the world what God was like. God cared that much. The shortage or the lack is not on God's desire to save, right? Humanity, God came and we pushed him out. When, when humanity crucified Jesus, right, we were saying, we, don't, we, don't, we want to do it our own way. We're still putting our hope in humans to lead us out, right? The, the lack, the shortage is not on God's end. It's on our end. But God loves us so much that he has stepped in the leader that we're all longing for. And when we look to him, when I began to realize who Jesus was, it was like uh, I had a joint in my body that had been dislocated. And I knew things weren't working properly, but I didn't know how to get it back. But when I found Jesus, or when Jesus found me would be a better way to say it, it's, it's like that joint popped back into place and life began to flow. And I began to experience the, the taste of the peace and security and prosperity that I had been looking for. I began to encounter the Prince of Peace. So if you're here today watching in person or online, I want to encourage you. If you're needing peace today, if you're realizing, man, the leaders that we've hoped in, I don't know if they have a clue what's going on, right? If you're needing peace, we start by looking to Jesus, our Prince of Peace. And we start by following him because when we follow him, right, he leads us. He is the leader that leads us out of brokenness, leads us out of anxiety, leads us out of despair, and leads us into peace. Not peace, lack of conflict, but peace, things being made right in our lives and in the world. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. So if you've not made the decision to follow him, or maybe you've gotten distracted and drifted a bit during 2020, I want to encourage you, look to Jesus today. He has the power to save. He has the power to heal. He has the power to deliver, and he loves you. And in Jesus, unto us, a child has been born. And the government of the nations will rest on his shoulders. Now, I want to get really practical with you for a moment. And as I was praying about this and thinking about our need for peace right now, our need for restoration, our need for just kind of a, a deep breath, I was talking with some people this week, and one of them just said, you know, I just feel this deep fatigue down in my bones because the adrenaline of COVID has worn off and it just continues on. And they're just like, I don't know what to do with this deep fatigue. And I've seen that over and over and over again in my own life, in our church, in our city, in our nation. And so I want to give three very practical things that you can take and do into your week that will help you receive the peace that God wants to give you. 
that will help you receive the restoration that God wants to provide for your soul. Three things. This is not an exhaustive list. Please don't email the church if I left out your favorite thing to you know, find peace. But these were three that as I prayed, I sensed the Lord highlighting to me. So I'll share those with you. The first one is rest. The way that we actively receive God's peace is when we respond to God's leadership about rest. When God designed the planet, he designed it that we would work six days and on the seventh day we would Sabbath. He put it in the Ten Commandments. When we look at the life of Jesus, we see Jesus taking time to rest. And so one of the things that I want to encourage you, this has been an incredibly difficult year. Between now and the end of the year, I want you to think about opportunities that you have to rest. If you have a job where you have paid time off, I want to encourage you, use all your vacation days. I'm going to try and use all my PTO this year. I don't normally do that, but this is a year where it's like, if you got it, it's time to use it. Take a deep breath. <coughs> Maybe you have small kids, and you're like, well, I don't know, I'm going to take time off, but they're not going to, you know, they're not going to take time off. I understand, but look for ways as a family that you can find opportunities to rest. Sleep more. Turn the TV off sooner. Sleep more, right? Looking for rest. That's something I want to encourage us as a community over these next six weeks or so remaining in the year. We're going to rest. And as we rest, we become replenished. It's very practical. Second thing that's very practical is I want to encourage you to practice daily Thanksgiving. We're about to celebrate the holiday of Thanksgiving, and we're going to talk about what we're thankful for. But I want to encourage you that for followers of Jesus, thankfulness is not a feeling per se. It's not something we stumble into, but it's a practice. It's something that we practice. And as we practice thankfulness, our experience of God's peace grows. Here's how it works. Your brains and my brain, we're wired to notice problems. We're wired to notice things that are not right. And if we just let our brains go where we want, we'll just focus on problems all the time. The fruit of that is anxiety in our bodies. When we take disciplined time to identify and focus on things that we're thankful for, we're training our brain to look in a different direction. And as we look toward the things that we're thankful for, we begin to see God's hand at work in our lives. And the fruit of that is peace in our experience. So here's how I've been doing it, is in the morning, I've got a running list on my computer, and I try and do 10 things I'm thankful for a day. I don't always get there, I don't always get to it, but I try every day, I'm starting the day with 10 things I'm thankful for. I've been doing that now for eight months. It's made a significant difference. I wanna encourage you, build in the practice of thankfulness. If you're married, I wanna encourage you to start a separate sheet of writing down things you're thankful for about your spouse. If you have roommates, write down things you're thankful for about your roommates, right? This has been a hard year, but if we'll look for the good, right, we'll begin to focus in a new direction and we'll experience more and more of the peace that God has for us. So takeaways, I want to encourage you to rest. I want to encourage you to practice thankfulness. The third thing that I want to encourage you to do is to worship. Oh, I'm sorry, is, uh, is to worship, yes. I got off on my place, is to worship. And that's what we're gonna do here in just a moment. 
It's in God's presence that we find refreshment. And so as the worship team leads us in a final song, as we worship together, I want to encourage us all just to go to the Lord in this moment and to meet with him who is the wonderful counselor, who is the everlasting father, who is the mighty God, who is the prince of peace, and to receive his peace here together in this moment. I want to invite you to stand. I'm going to pray over us, and then the worship team is going to lead us in a final song as we close. Jesus, we just acknowledge here in this room, regardless of what we feel in this moment, regardless of the anxiety, regardless of the stress, regardless of the fatigue, all those things are important. But in the midst of that, we acknowledge you as the one who has come for us, fully God, fully man, the one who can bear the weight of our lives and of the nations on your shoulders and brings us the security, brings us the peace, brings us this prosperity, brings us the belonging that we ache for. And right now as a community, Lord, as we worship you, God, we receive the peace that you want to be in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name.